Hello, and welcome to Fanifesto, the podcast that seeks to challenge fans and examine what fandom means to the individual. I'm Tyler Martin. I'm Hobart Church. I'm Megan Church. And thank you for joining us for our inaugural episode. Today we'll be laying the foundation for what we hope will be a long-running series of conversations amongst ourselves and with you, the audience, on fandom-related topics of every conceivable stripe and color. Today's topic, what is the meaning of fandom? Dictionary.com defines fandom as fans collectively, as of a motion picture star or a professional gamer sport. Fair enough, but our aim for this podcast is to delve deeper and find out what being a fan means to you. And to that end, we devised a little survey asking, what does being a fan mean to you? And we got some pretty good responses for that, which we'll be digging into right now. DJ wrote to us that being a fan means sticking with your team or an artist through thick or thin, no matter how good or bad things are. Kim's builds on that when she says that uh, on being a fan of someone, uh, I support him, I cheer him on, I want him to succeed. But even if he fails at something, since I am his fan, I won't stop cheering for him and supporting him. To me, that's what being a fan is, unconditional support. And I think that's true because there's, there are times when you are a fan of something or someone that you go through a dry spell and you, you really start to worry that this, like, they've peaked, that's as good as it's going to get. But if you're a hardcore fan of something or, or if it's resonated with you to the point that you're a, you're a fan, then it's a little bit like being in a relationship and you weather the, the bad times for the good times and you know that it's going to get better eventually. But I think there's also a, a point sometimes that you get to where something is just so awful that you can no longer support it. Mm. And I think it's difficult for fans to, to draw that line. Um, you know, if you're, if you're a fan of a band, let's say, and uh, I, won't, I won't be specific even though any metalcore fans out there will know exactly who I'm talking about. Uh, I was a huge fan um, of a band, and the lead singer did something illegal. Uh, he tried to have his wife killed, and he went to prison for it. And I no longer support that band, not because I don't support the rest of the members who have since formed another band who I listen to and enjoy, but because his name is attached to that band, I, I can't financially support them knowing that now does that color your perception of the uh, <clears throat> like of the music like oh totally any, any, any part of that that he was involved with? completely um he he was actually uh the front man for two bands that i really really enjoyed one of them was a like a parody band where he parodied arnold schwarzenegger um singing yeah <laughs> and, and he would take like lines from the movies and incorporate them into the songs and it was hilarious I can't listen to it anymore, even though I still find the lyrical content funny, I can't in good conscience listen to it knowing that, that this is who he is and who he became. Um, even their earlier stuff before he kind of morphed into this aggressive person, I, I have a hard time separating what he did with what he created. Well, you come across this... Um in um, restaurant chains too like fans fans yeah. of restaurants you don't that's you know you don't talk about restaurant fans and fandoms very often but that is that's a fandom there are some restaurant chains that have uh, very devoted 
followings, and they have come under some serious fire recently. Chick-fil-A is a notorious one because uh, it got to be very publicly known that they're anti-LGBT. And there were some people that were, uh, myself included, hardcore fans of their, of their food, um, grew up with it, that were just like, no. No, now that I know this, there's no possible way that I can give my give my money and my financial support knowing that a, a portion of it is going towards anti-LGBT efforts. Um, there's another one, Jimmy John's. I was a huge fan of Jimmy John's. Yeah, and I then I, I found out that yeah. their owner and CEO has a hobby of going overseas to... Africa and other places on safari, um, killing endangered and uh, jungle animals for sport, for no other reason, just pure blood sport. And I can't offer my financial support to a business knowing that he is going to pocket some of that money, save up some of that money, and go to Africa and shoot a giraffe just because he can. So I, I think when you come across as a fan, when you come across something that's so blackens the spirit of the thing that you're a fan of it it does in a way it completely smears and and ruins your ability to um, enjoy being a fan of that that thing anymore and we'll actually come back to this topic here in a moment with one of our other survey mm -hmm. answers but uh tyler you want to grab the next one uh sure stan says i've been a fan for most of my life i went to my first major convention when i was 17 so to me, being a fan has involved meeting other fans. Now, I should mention Stan has long been involved in numerous fan associations in Canada and the United States. And in short, uh, though I have a family, fandom has been my second family. Partly all these groups got together because people needed an outlet for common interests, but partly these groups got together because they felt that something was important, which other people didn't really care about. In each case, the associations made me more thoughtful, more creative, more engaged with other people and different points of view, as well as spawning lifelong friendships. Maybe some people feel this way about sports teams. I don't know. And since the internet, connections have grown more. I often end up traveling for business or pleasure and end up meeting with some of my extended fanish family. Th this is something that resonates uh, with me personally. My experience is kind of similar to Stan's. I should mention that Stan and I are part of uh, the same fandom, uh, that being uh, Godzilla movies, Japanese sci-fi and fantasy film, and uh, that's how I uh, became acquainted with Stan. And uh, th this, this outlook for common interests, uh, you know, in something that not everyone else cares about or understands, uh, connecting with other people, both in real life and online, has given a deeper meaning to my love for these things. Well, it's 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 always a joy um, when you become a fan of something, or you've been a fan of something for a long mm -hmm. time, to meet other people who are fans of the same thing, and to find out you know how how they became a fan of it or why they're a fan of it, and you know that's one of the reasons we have this podcast mm -hmm. going is to learn how other how and why other people are fans of things uh, and the differences and similarities that spawn uh, people's interest in things. I mean, I, I have a huge love of motorcycles, but that doesn't necessarily translate the same way for me that it does for a lot of other people. You know, mm -hmm. I, I'm not 
technically skilled in riding a motorcycle. I don't do track days. I don't know all of the jargon that goes along with watching the motorcycle races like the Isle of Man. I know who Valentino Rossi is, but I haven't followed his career. And see, I see the blank looks on your, your faces. You guys don't know who Valentino Rossi is, and you could not care less. And that's fine. But he, he's, a, he's a racer. He races motorcycles for a living. Um, and you meet other people who are huge Rossi fans, or they're fans of other big-name motorcycle racers, and it's always still interesting, even though I'm not personally a fan of that, it's always interesting to hear them talk and interact mm -hmm. with them about that because they become so passionate about it. And I always find it fascinating to meet in real life and online, to meet other people who are a fan of the same thing I am, but for different reasons and in different ways. Now, this mention of the internet that he has in, in his answer um, really strikes a, a chord with me. Because I I was fairly late coming to the internet. I didn't discover the internet until I was maybe like 12, 13 years old. And up to that point, of course, I have been a huge fan of Godzilla movies and uh, such things as that. And when I discovered the internet and found out there, there were legions of other fans of this, it was nothing short of revelatory. Uh, it was kind of a sensory overload. And uh, interacting with fans on the internet, getting to meet some of them in person, uh, is just an absolutely wonderful thing. And I, one thing I would like to point out is that online interaction and in-person interaction is not always the same. No. Uh, online, you, you you have like you have this this mask. Like you'll say things, you'll rethink things, and you'll like you'll you'll present yourself in a very different way, and that can lead to people that that can lead to all kinds of uh, divisions and just reducing fandom to a series of talking points and stuff like that, which might be a topic for a future podcast. Well, online you also have the ability to kind of filter what you want to say mm -hmm. and, you know, think about it. It's like, it's like sending an email that, you know, the other person isn't necessarily going to enjoy. You know, you, you, you type it out and then you revise it and then you revise mm -hmm. it again and then you have someone else look over it and you make sure that it's worded properly, everything's spelled correctly. You don't have any, any, um, untrue statements in there because you want to present it in the best way possible and in person we don't always get to do that mm -hmm. it's all right so uh with that we're going to move on to our next uh survey answer and this one comes to us from christopher and uh, he says being a fan in the simplest sense is having an emotional attachment to something and he talks about being a fan of the mass effect games uh, despite their flaws because of his emotional attachment to the previous installments in the series. He specifically mentions Mass Effect Andromeda, which is the fourth installment in the series, not being up to par with the rest of the series and struggling to get through it, but still doing it because of an emotional attachment to the previous games. Um, he also talks about gravitating towards games that he has an aptitude for. So continue, my deepest fandom, or at least my most long held, is probably the Mario universe. 
As much as I find others jumping the Nintendo wagon, I cannot abandon Mario. I always am hopeful for the next installment. Because of my emotional attachment, I will always give them a chance, regardless of criticism from a, quote, objective standpoint. I will, however, say that one of the core reasons I became a fan of music games is because of the DDR community, which DDR stands for Dance Dance Revolution, if anyone is unfamiliar, which I was adopted into at the local arcade years and years ago. I suppose that the bond I shared with so many over these games played a greater role in my emotional attachment to the games themselves, and since these games themselves are rooted in music, I can find myself being taken back just by hearing a song. Fandom for me is very much commitment. Like with Mario, I could never abandon it. And while I do not have communities of people that I fraternize with specifically about Mario, I do enjoy the opportunity to talk about it with other fans when the opportunity arises. In that way, I suppose fandom gives a sense of identity. Well, Chris so. and I are uh, kind of in, a, in the same boat here in that we don't spend a great deal of time interacting uh, directly with other fans. But... Uh, I definitely get what he's saying. You know, like that I cherish every opportunity I get. You know, I'm I'm not able to travel and go to all kinds of like different fan related events. But when that opportunity does arise, I relish it. Mm -hmm. Because there's a lot of kinship that develops. I like how Chris's response um sort of centered around video games because video game fandom is one that I struggle with because I'm not a gamer but I did grow up around some video games um, in my earlier years we really didn't have my family didn't have video games we were allowed to have a Coleco set a really old Coleco set that my family found at a yard sale that was as far as we, my parents were willing to take video games in my house but we were allowed to play them when we went to our friends houses and that's how I learned to play Mario. Mario is one of the few games that I am a fan of that I will willingly play anytime there's a, a Mario set out. I will clarify though that I refuse to play Mario Kart. I don't like Mario Kart, that gives me a headache. But I like classic Mario. And the buttons aren't too complicated on classic Mario, I can do that. <laughs> DDR is another one I will play to death if there is a DDR board around me. I don't own one, but that was a large part of my high school experience. I was a really awkward high school kid and had a lot of awkward Weren't friends, and yeah. it was it was difficult for me to be a part of large group parties, but if there was a party that DDR was <laughs> involved in, that's where I jumped in and could find myself actually participating in the group. So the, his response brings back some of those memories memories for me and reminds me that even if I'm not a strong fan of something if I am a fan of something in a way then I still count. Going back to what Chris says about fandom giving a sense of identity I do feel this is something that can sometimes be taken too far. Um, I'm, I'm going to reference the metalcore uh, mm. genre again. I go to a lot of concerts and when you go to these concerts you meet people of all different sizes and shapes and colors and ages and you occasionally run into people who th their whole identity seems to be wrapped up in being a a metalhead and that's the only thing that they seem to enjoy or that they kind of um it's, it's the only defining trait 
that they possess and they latch onto it and it becomes an all-encompassing part of who they are um, and it's very difficult to talk to them even though they're a fan of the same thing that I'm a fan of mm-hmm. it, they, ha- they don't seem to have any other interests so they're very one-dimensional yeah and they become unwilling to be a real person yeah exactly now, I've encountered that plenty of times myself and uh, I've for a time in, in my younger days, uh, I I was rather like that as well. It was when I found something that I could connect with and relate to and really enjoy. It became everything that I was. You know, for me even now, it, my fandom obviously is a very very important part of who I am. But it is not all that I am. That's important to have balance. Yes, we should we can. It's not healthy to just be about one thing, and that will be your all-encompassing identity. Like, that is all you are. It's good to be a well-rounded individual. Yeah. Well, I think we can take that full circle by um, getting into Beth's response to our survey. And she mentions that uh, fandom, to me, is about connecting with a story, with art, with each other in mutual appreciation of whatever it is that brought us together. She mentioned some main themes, um, sticking points or franchises, um, you know, Harry Potter, Doctor Who, Star Trek. Um, But for her, being a fan is about nostalgia. It's about finding yourself in the story and finding others who can relate to the joy, pain, hope. Being a fan means that you aren't alone. And I completely agree with this one and um, feel the direction that she's going in. I was a I was a really shy, loner kid for a lot of years and being a fan of certain things kind of kept me level-headed and, and down to earth and gave me something to think about outside of how insecure and shy and lonely I was. And I mean back then there, really, there wasn't internet you didn't connect with other people by hopping online you you had to find you had to actively physically go out and pound the pavement and find the the dorks like you who were who were a fan of that thing and once you did <laughs> oh my god you hung on to them I, I mm-hmm. in some ways I think the the younger fans of today are a little bit spoiled by the internet because they most oh, of them most of them I have no on. idea. <laughs> they have no idea what it's like to think you're the only one who likes a thing mm-hmm. and to go for and to have possibly that years. And by the people around you. Yeah. yeah. And to go possibly years um, thinking that. And then out of nowhere, all of a sudden, through no most of the time, no action on your part, another fan of that thing pops up and your mind is blown that you're not this ostracized weirdo that likes this thing anymore that there is someone who thinks like you and and it it, it it's bonding I mean nowadays you, you can just go online you google the thing and you get like 16 forums chat rooms Facebook page Twitter account of everything and it, boom there you are you're connected there's a bazillion people just like you who like this thing I think they're yeah. a little bit spoiled on that 
And I, I think because of the rabid abundance of the internet and the just the giving of the, the information that leads to the friendship, that leads to the bonds, mm-hmm. I think the kids, the, the kids and the, fan, the young fans of today have lost a little bit of what it means to be a fan as we know I, it I in our actually, generation, yeah. the pre-internet generation. I was about uh, to say have that something exact same thing. about our fandoms that is unique to us that the kids of today, the tech kids of today, will not or probably will never know. Yeah, their fandom is the internet fandom, the fandom of talking points. Yeah, the fandom exactly. of going back and re-editing and revising whatever it is you're saying, and that becomes a potentially dangerous bubble. Yeah. Um, my niece is actually, but uh, she's recently gotten into Doctor Who, uh, and I was asking her one day when I was talking to her, "What do you like about it?" And at first, you know, she was kind of her friends at school like it, and you know, she likes the she thinks the Doctor is cute, and um, you know, she likes the the time travel and the 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 idea of the TARDIS is really cool to her. Um, you know, just kind of surface level stuff. Mm-hmm. And I actually talked with her about it about a year later. And she's watched pretty much the whole series. And she was able to describe in a lot more detail what she likes about it. And I was surprised at how articulate she was able to be about what draws her into it. And um, yeah, it was, it was really refreshing. And I think that that should be something that we stress to the younger generations, the the younger fans of things, is really examine why you like this thing. You know, you can start out being a fan of something just because it looks cool. I mean, that's that's why I originally became a fan of Dragon Ball Z, was because it looked cool. And that that's that's a very common thing. Yeah. Over time, it grows on you. It becomes a very deep seated part of who you are. Right. Um, I should mention that all of us are around the age 30 mark, so yes. we're talking a lot about the younger generation. <laughs> uh, I know to some... Them freaking whippersnappers. Yeah, to some of you youngins, I'm sure 30 is... Ancient. Just prehistoric. 31, thank you. And there, there are other fans, people in our fandoms, and like what have you, who view us as the younger crop. As we're old enough to remember the good old days, but we're not old enough to remember the good old days of the people who are older, than, like considerably older than us, that consider us the uh, the whippersnappers. Yeah. All right, we're gonna move on. We're gonna go to Eric's answer, and Eric says, "For me, being a fan is being obsessed in a positive way, to be sure, but it is most certainly an obsession." It's latching onto something that makes your life worth living. There are many people in the world that are not fans of anything. They are devoid of healthy obsession. Each day they wake, go to work, come home, watch empty TV shows for an hour or two, and then go to bed without any exciting thoughts, probing questions, and nothing to look forward to the next day. When you're a fan of something, that gives you the opportunity to have exciting thoughts. Your questions about what you like haunt you until you answer them. I have many weird thoughts to contribute to that yes um, me too <laughs> your thoughts and your questions give you something to look forward to the next day because perhaps those thoughts will lead you to answering those questions being a fan of something anything is perhaps the most essential element in life 
I love this answer. Yes, so do I. I love it. Um, a healthy obsession. That is exactly pretty much every fandom that I've ever been a part of and I'm still a part of is hopefully a healthy obsession. I'm sure I've been a fan of things that aren't necessarily healthy. Um, but I, oh man, the, the weird thoughts, like the, the, the weird thoughts about your fandom are just, even now, I have thoughts that keep me awake at night. I mean, I don't even be a Debbie Downer about it, but Eric's, Eric's comment kind of, kind of stings me just a little bit because I, I am only obsessed I only have a healthy obsession with certain fandoms. I am I am a mutt when it comes to my fandoms. Most of them don't relate to each other, and I am not healthfully obsessed, quote unquote, with most of them. I'm I'm sort of um, wishy washy, and I and I appreciate that. I appreciate his in his interpretation of being a fan. It's just if you're if you're a fan in the sense that I am, where you have only certain fandoms that you are obsessed with and then you've got other fandoms that you just kind of you you dip your toes in frequently but you don't go you don't jump in and go swim um then it kind of it kind of makes you wonder well am i still a fan of those things if i well, if i'm not healthfully obsessed if my if my fandom is not in a an obsession if i don't approach the thing that i feel that i am a fan of in the way that he um, chooses to define it. Well, yeah, does that make me a fan of that thing? You don't have to approach it in that way, though, because you know, know. I'm I'm definitely a bigger fan of some things than I am of other things. But I can still say, you know, what, I'm into this or that. You know, of course, uh, like I've said, my main fandom is the Godzilla movies and uh, things of that nature. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm I'm also a fan of Dragon Ball Z. I am not as big a fan of Dragon Ball Z as of Godzilla, but. That's still something that I connect with and that I enjoy very, very much. You know, the, the level of obsession, if you will, uh, will vary. Like, you, you can't be, like, totally gung-ho about, well, maybe you can, but for most people, <laughs> yeah, you, you, just, you can't be totally gung-ho about every single thing that you like. All the time. Yeah, I mean, I, I love Godzilla. I love Star Trek. I love Star Wars. I love Dragon Ball Z. I love, you know, all kinds of like books, you know, books history, certain aspects of history, uh, really click with me. Others I find totally uninteresting. Uh, music is a huge part of my life, but to say I'm a fan of music, that's that's a yes and no thing. I mean, if I'm if I'm going to be perfectly honest, most of the music that exists, most of the movies that exist, most of the books that exist, don't interest me in the slightest. But there are certain mm -hmm. ones that, like certain things, certain aspects of this thing, that I can just latch onto and that I love. Yeah. Well, then I think his, at the very least, his response has piqued another. Uh, dimension open another door if you will of uh the definition of fandom then is because you hear a lot of fans say that they're obsessed quote unquote with this thing mm -hmm. so then by definition does being a fandom being a fan of something mean you are obsessed with that thing and if you are 
what are the varying degrees of obsession? No, I think that there, there, you know, you can be a casual fan of something, and that that's not any, that's not to disparage casual yeah. fandom. Without casual fans, most fandoms would die. Yeah. Really, really quickly. You know, the people who oh, this TV show is on, I'm gonna watch it, but they wouldn't seek it out normally. Casual fandom is very much a an integral part of any anything that exists that people are a fan of. Casual fans, I guarantee, make up the bulk of the 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 fan base. Hardcore fan base, yeah, is basically never enough to keep something alive. Exactly. Another one of our survey answers came from John Michael, and he says that being a fan for me means that you especially enjoy something, be it a particular type of music, band, beer, sports team, etc., and you're making a choice to, quote, follow what that band, sports team, or brewery does. There are, of course, different levels of fandom, but mm -hmm. I often think That's that being a fan means that you aren't a, quote, fair-weather fan. Being a fan means you like something even when that something sucks. So it means I've been a fan of the Cleveland Indians even when they suck, or a band when they've put out a couple of crappy albums. You stick it out and hope that the team you're a fan of or the band you're a fan of will eventually stop sucking and go back to being awesome. Being a fan also connects you with a community of sorts. I feel a part of something bigger than me when I'm at a metal or hardcore show and I see the camaraderie that's there. Uh, there's a sense of community at baseball games or other sporting events, especially when you're rooting for the home team. You're all rooting for the same team and that connects you. That's one reason I enjoy breweries and beer, because it connects people and brings people together. As only beer can. <laughs> He wraps up by saying that being a fan means that I'm a part of a community, something bigger than myself. This actually ties in really, really well with um, what we did yesterday. Um, it was actually Megan's birthday yesterday, mm -hmm. yeah. and we went to a local, uh, basically it was a beer expo, beer and food expo. Yes. Um, it was called PA Flavor, as part of the hashtag Harrisburg Beer Week, um, and it was amazing. It was full of people again of all different shapes sizes colors um men and women didn't matter everybody was there to drink beer and eat food so being a part of a community we didn't know anyone else there mm -hmm. but when you were in line with other people you, you got to talking with them mm -hmm. about what they were going to try you know each brewery that was there had at least two beers on tap. And so it was interesting to find out what other people's interests were as as far as like what flavor of beer they were gonna they were gonna go for. Um, I I found many, many people, because when I drink I talk to people, um, who were big fans of IPAs. Now personally You always find that. Yeah, personally, I can't stand IPAs. Neither can I. <laughs> Like soap. Um, so yeah, to us, IPAs are disgusting. But there are a ton of people out there who love them. And it's always interesting to me when I hear them talk about the flavor of an IPA because to me it just tastes like dishwater. Um, I found one palatable one and that even, tasted even like apricots. Liked, but even the one that you liked, you know, yeah, yeah, I could taste the apricots, but it still had that 
that aftertaste of like soapy dishwater to me. Um, so e even the two of us, we, we found that we, you were a fan of it. I was not really. Um, I am a, I'm a huge fan of sour ales. The more sour, the better. Whereas Tyler, not so much a huge fan of sour ales. Hey, I, there were some really good ones. Right. But, uh, but like the super sour ones, uh, there was a local brewery that we went to that had... They were represented at this yes, event too. That were... They, they had a, uh, a scratch beer on tap. It was super sour. I mean, we're talking like Warheads level sour without the sweet. Um, and I loved it. That's one of the reasons I love dry wine. Is it just has that that really like mouth puckering sour flavor, and Tyler didn't like it, so I was a fan and you weren't. I will submit that I do like dry wines. Some yeah. people don't. That's but that's true. Different things appeal to different people differently, and that's why we've done this survey mm -hmm. so we can get different. We knew because we knew we would get different answers for the same question. There would be a lot of a lot of things that overlap, but there's a lot of individual perspective. Yeah. And that's, that is like the heart of this podcast. What does this mean to you? So, moving on to our final answer, which uh, is a really beautiful one, and uh, it's why I wanted to save this for last. Mark says, I don't ascribe any particular significance or meaning to being a fan. Whether it's horror movies, Godzilla, classical music, or movie scores, or any other thing I have a deep connection to and love for, the need for its presence in my life is as intrinsic as breathing. I would die for lack of it. I know I would be a very different person if each one of my, quote, loves had not come into my life when it did. I also think that the different things I enjoy are perfect mirrors for different parts of my personality and soul. Certain things reflect the inner child that is very much alive within me, and other things reflect the dark introspective and often morose aspects of my psyche which are so prevalent too much of the time. Basically put, for me being a fan means being who I am. One cannot be separated from the other. Till death do we part. And I think even then in some way we'll still be together somewhere. Uh, this, this is an absolutely beautiful response uh, and it resonates with me very very deeply. Uh, I don't think I can put it any better than uh, than Mark does here. I want those last two sentences on a t-shirt. <laughs> um, this is very, very relatable for me. Over time, my love for Godzilla movies uh, has evolved. As I've grown and matured as a person, my fandom for this this thing has grown and matured along you know, with that. Um, and I find that aspects of these movies have shaped who I am, have helped to shape who I am as a person. Uh, you will find uh, certain recurrent themes and ideas that, that really speak to you and will, like, become a part of your identity. Uh, with Godzilla movies, there is this constant recurrence even when it's you know it doesn't matter if it's like a very dark and serious take on the character or if it's very lighthearted there will be some aspect of the film that will remind us as human beings that we are not gods we are not in complete control 
It's mm -hmm. like a man against nature kind of thing. Again, even when it gets totally wacky and Godzilla's teaming up with a, 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 a giant robot to save Japan from an evil underwater kingdom and there is like karate kicks and drop kicks and tail slides and all manner of ridiculous things there will always be something there to sort of put us in our place mm -hmm. there's always something there to check human arrogance I find like in my personal life arrogance is one of my absolute least favorite things in the world when someone behaves as though the world owes them anything like they're entitled uh, like there's just like they're better, or like, whatever. I can't stand that. And, you know, seeing these movies that, like, will have something, you know, putting a check on human arrogance in, in like, to some degree, uh, resonates with me very deeply. And if it hadn't been for me encountering mm -hmm. these things when I did, in the way that I did, I would be a very different person. And I, I firmly believe that I would not be as uh, as good a person or as well-rounded a person. I mean, not to say that I'm... <laughs> not to toot my own horn, uh, not to be arrogant, <laughs> but I, these movies have impacted me in a positive way. Yeah. And they, they mean a lot to me for, uh, because of that. I think that's another, like, clear, clear definer of something that makes you a, a fan of something. When, when you have... When you've been a fan of something and you can look back on it, if you've been a fan of something long enough to have a history of it, and you can look back on everything that that fandom has contributed to in your life, and you can say that this has made me a better person in some way, or it has grown me in some way, or it has added a dimension to my character and my personality, I think that's another uh, aspect of fandom that is um, identifiable and mm -hmm. measurable across all plans oh well great discussion folks uh i think that about wraps things up uh we hope you've enjoyed listening our next podcast has nothing to do with pods it has nothing to do with casts it has everything to do with hurting we discuss the cult phenomenon of mystery science theater 3000 and its triumphant return la 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 thanks for listening everyone Please remember to visit our website, fanifestoblog.wordpress.com, to check out the bio pages and keep up to date with upcoming episodes. Each episode will be accompanied with a blog post, so be sure to bookmark us to stay current. And we encourage all of you, dear listeners, to sound off. Think we're onto something? Or maybe you think we're full of crap? Either way, we want to hear from you. The comments section is there for a reason. We'd also like to thank everyone who submitted their survey answers and provided the groundwork on which this first episode was built. Kim, DJ, Eric, Chris, John Michael, Beth, Stan, and Mark, thank you. And right now, we're at a loss to come up with an acceptable sign-off. So we're turning to you, our listeners, for help. Send us your ideas for a catchy, not, not kitschy, sign-off. And it just may be the last thing you ever hear. On the next episode. We'll see you then. <laughs>